And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So in tasting, what we do is take a small amount right off the top. It doesn't take much. That's the warmest part right here. I'm going to invert the spoon. Mm. Cover all 9,000 taste bud. Aerate it. Warm it up. Driving up that top note, that cream, pure vanilla. Sweeteners. Mm. That's a 10. Good morning, Sweet World! And welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. Sorry, that cold open's got me giggling. That cream! Uh, It's Wednesday, January 6th. Happy Armenian Christmas to all my Armenians out there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Jay Skeets, rolling with Steve Kirby's favorite son and podcaster, Trey Kirby. Hey! Yo! We got the international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Lily. Last but not least, making the magic happen. It's JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. I gotta know how'd you stumble into that that clip. It's so good. I don't know. I stumbled upon it. It's really old, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> giggling trying to so you know, compose myself here to hit the open, and I couldn't do it. Oh, it's great. All right, shout out to the stream team. Please like, comment, and subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Our ambitious goal to hit 25,000 subs by the end of the week. We're on our way, so keep doing your thing. Keep sharing those videos. Uh, email us your questions and comments to no dunks at theathletic.com. We'll be stepping on the beach later today on Wednesday here, 3 p.m. Eastern, live on YouTube. Yeah, we're going back to back to back today if you're counting Tass's video. Uh, Tass is going to join us for that one too. So we'll have the entire band back together mm. on the beach. Oh, the boys getting together, splashing some sand, reading some emails. You know we're going to be talking cream on the beach. You can't resist it. (laughs) You can't. You can't. Uh, Speaking of Tassie, make sure you check out this morning's What You Need to Know, the little mini recap pod. The content kings right now are not messing around. Um, We have Tass with the What You Need to Know. And Trey, yesterday you dropped your latest NBA Weekly recap video. Uh, that's up on YouTube, so highly recommend you go check that out. A lot of people, and I think they're right, saying, whoa, this is very starters-like in terms of the memes and the whoopsies and some video in there, and I, and I think that's spot on. So if you mm. miss the starters... Could be uh, something else coming on the weekend, too. Oh! Could be. Could be. Interestingly, yes, uh, JD is a 
Well, you're a one-man production company. <laughs> I, I, seriously. Yeah, we like, need some interns around here. Let's uh, let's get real, man. You've got two kids, JD, haven't you? They're yeah, not doing anything right work. now. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's amazing. And this is not a knock on other companies, but JD is like basically the equivalent of uh, 50 Ringer employees or something like that. I mean, the, you're a wrecking machine, man. It's amazing. Um, go grab your No Dunks merch at nodunks.com. We got the hoodies and the T-shirts and the mugs and uh well after yesterday's show there's some talk about whether or not we should add slippers (laughs) so you tell us yeah it might be a fun idea uh and finally don't miss out on the hottest deal we're running right now at the athletic go to the athletic.com slash no dunks you can sign up for just 3.99 a month for the best damn sports writing in the world go to the athletic.com slash no dunks so they know that we sent you and you can get that incredible deal all right we got lots to talk about as always here on no dunks um but Perfectly, we had five games on last night, so we got to do five games, one thing, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna flip up the order in terms of the way we saw the games last night because we got to go to TK. He's pumped. He had a great Tuesday, uh, which has bled into Wednesday. Guy was up late last night. Trey Kobe White scores twenty one, and the Bulls rally to beat the Blazers one eleven one oh eight. They were down twenty, but they came back. Uh, what's the big takeaway? Well, Skeets, I only got one thing for you. The Bulls are back. Are you kidding me? Win of the year. The first 20-point comeback in the NBA this mm-hmm. season. I saw some highlights from the Clippers versus the Spurs. They were talking, could they be the first team to pull off a 20-point comeback? No, they can't. But the Bulls did. This mm-hmm. was a, a crazy game. What a night in the Kirby household. Bulls blazing on the deck. Bulls blazers on deck. Election (laughs) results trickling in on the computer. A luxurious matchup out there. Red and black, both teams, January 5, going down in history. But this was a weird one. Like I said, the Bulls gave up a 20-point lead. They gave up 39 points, eight three-pointers in the first quarter. The Blazers looked like they were on fire. It looked like it was going to be sad Trey Kirby coming in on the show today. Mm. But I had the faith, Skeets. I said... Just stick around. The comeback Bulls will take care of this, and somehow they did. Uh, Billy Donovan has gotten something out of Zach Levine that feels a little bit different. He was out there overpassing the ball in the first half of the game, uh, but kept getting teammates involved. This ended up being a really nice team win. The Bulls had so many guys uh, in double figures. They ended up with seven players in double figures. Everybody was doing something. Everybody was boarding. This was a fun game to watch. Like I said, the Bulls had this huge comeback. Zach Levine hits a dagger three. Under a minute left, I'm upstairs. Everybody else in the house is asleep. I'm just yelling like this, smacking my arms against each other. It was uh, legendary stuff. Uh, Damian Lillard basically didn't make a shot in the second half, but uh, did make the one that was most important, knock down that three from the right wing. The purest swish you could ever hope to see if you're Damian Lillard. Uh, but this was just this was just exciting, man. I was going nuts in the house. Thaddeus Young playing small ball five. Otto Porter, 13 rebounds, including a huge rebound highlight under a minute. Skeets didn't even jump off the floor to grab it. This was legendary stuff. (laughs) And, you know, if you are a Bulls fan, you look at Jim Boylan being hired as an assistant coach by the Trailblazers, and you say, this was a revenge game. Where's your defense, Blazers? You can't stop the Bulls. They're the unstoppables. Wow, this guy this feels like the 1992 guy. finals. Yeah, or, you know, game three. Like the... <laughs> there, there it is. There we go. Oh, 
goodness. goodness. He's call, he, called this, wow. he just called a Bulls win in Portland <laughs> in early January, legendary twice. And, and it, I'm, I'm pumped for you, man. I'm excited. Uh, Dude, but I'm also pissed. I, I marked it down. I was like, I was getting ready to go to bed last night. I was like, I got, I got to write this down. I got to remember January 5th. What a night. The election, <laughs> the Bulls. I, I was flying, it felt like. I'm a little pissed with that Bulls victory because this is what I saw in the Bulls last year, Trey. Like, Otto Porter contributing, <laughs> yes. Thaddeus Young yes. contributing. This is what I've envisioned. Uh, and maybe, yeah, just took getting Boylan out of there and Billy in there to, to help put it all together. But, th- yeah, Lee, this was, I mean, really, it was a, an impressive comeback. And as Trey said, the first time this season that a team came back from 20 down. There's been a lot of teams down 20. Uh, mm. so far this season the numbers are crazy the blowouts we've had and we've had some teams get back into games uh you know the Clippers being one of them last night but always tough to come back from 20 and then to continue to get to victory you see it come back a lot of times but then you know the other team sort of takes mm. control and ultimately closes it out but Bulls what do you think about this one yeah and no marketing either there for the Bulls so a little bit short-handed yeah. but uh yeah they just basically with the, the, that first quarter and after that they clearly outplayed Portland for three quarters in this game I, I thought Portland just sort of got on. They, I think they hit their first four three-pointers and sort of got off to that lead. Mm-hmm. But that was really the, the best they did in that first quarter. They, they built that big lead, and that was it after that Chicago. And the Chicago Bulls went into the paint any time they wanted, which is a real concern here, I think, for the Blazers. Their defense was very, very ordinary, uh, particularly in that second half there last night. That, that's a question here for Portland uh, going forward. But for the Bulls to go on the road to get this win, their season started off so badly, and they looked badly. But now they're starting to resemble a team that's starting to just change a little bit. And Zach Levine was asked after the game, you know, would you guys have won this game last year? And he was like, no, no way. (laughs) Yeah. Because they wouldn't have, you know. You you give the Bulls a punch last year and they lie down straight away. But this this season does feel a little bit different already. I mean, it did get off to a bit of a slow start there with Billy Donovan. But sometimes that can be the way with a new coach. So, um, you know, I think there's two sides here. I think Chicago, very impressive win. The Blazers, uh, another just ordinary performance by them. And uh, I wonder if there will be a move made there at yeah. some point in the season. If Leah, there's a lot of people wanting you to start uh, to fire up the trade machine <laughs> oh. to get the Blazers a defensive big if you can. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, Nurk should be that guy, though, really, shouldn't he? I mean, he, he was very, very good down in the bubble there. But last night, a couple of times, just got beaten very, very easily. Um, and also, you cannot have Cantor and Mello out on the court right. together. You just cannot do that. That's just a recipe for disaster. But again, I think what Chicago did, which was smart... They just sort of kept attacking, attacking, attacking in the paint. And then when someone was open for three, they'd fire it out to that guy to shoot the three. So, uh, yeah, this this was a, a fun win. And it, uh, you can just see with Trey, like, look how happy he is. Isn't that exciting to see when someone has a has a big comeback? Because I imagine in that first quarter, Trey was pre- pretty much almost ready to just jump into bed and say, oh, screw this, this one's all over. <laughs> no way. No way. I had a tweet during the first quarter. A Blazers fan said to me, man, I'm so sorry. You got to watch the Bulls every single night. This is my first time catching them. They're terrible. Zach Levine barely touched the ball in the first quarter. I said, just stick around. The comeback Bulls, they've got this taken care of. Guess what? They did. Stacey King said on the broadcast, who could have predicted this? Only a being of pure positivity. And that's what it's all about this year. The Bulls. They look like the team everybody thought they were going to be last year is what it was to me. You saw a Kevin O'Connor tweet last night where he's saying, I love the blend of youth and veterans that they have. And that's exactly what it seemed like coming into last season. The difference, obviously, there's a new coach in charge. And it honestly felt last night watching the game that Billy Donovan had had some sort of effect on the Bulls, right? Zach Levine, like I said, he was overpassing a little bit. People were calling him Rondo last night because he wasn't (laughs) looking for a shot. He was just trying to force passes. He didn't have his shot for the most part, but... 
he did a great job of getting people involved. And Billy Donovan is a point guard coach. Point guards tend to play well underneath him. So I liked what I saw from Zach Levine. I liked what I saw from Pat Williams. He hit a nice little, uh, his little yeah. push shot to get things started there in the fourth quarter. Garrett Temple had a huge game. We already mentioned Otto Porter hitting the glass. Apparently he's a small ball four now. He was a rim runner last night. Thad Young, a small ball five. That was a game changer when he came in and kind of took Wendell Carter out of that drop defense, was able to play a little quicker. And that kind of shut things off for Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum a little bit. The Bulls, they look good last night. They've won four out of five. Will it keep going? Yes, it will. Oh, Pure positivity. Pure positivity. <laughs> yeah, I wish uh, it was still called the Rose Garden because we had the florist, Pat Williams, uh, doing some <laughs> nice things late. That Zach Levine three to, that was the, ultimately the game winner was huge. Um, just, uh, <laughs> you know, that was a one-point game and he, he drains the big three. And, you know, you guys know I love a rebound highlight, but let's go next level with this. I thought Wendell Carter Jr. laid down some huge Ooh. highlight picks last night. <laughs> he was dropping yes. guys. Yes. He yes. dropped like two. Was it McCollum twice? Maybe that got that shook, or maybe uh, it was McCollum and Lillard once. But he dropped some yeah. big picks that uh, the guys were not calling out because they were not yeah. ready for the big Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, you know, screen there. Yeah, but that team needs a bit of toughness too. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. one thing. You know, that does send a bit of a message to other teams when you got a guy out there. Nothing dirty. No one was really upset no. with him because no. he was just doing his playing his role there. Like he's a big guy. Make those screens. Make your body get felt there. And he did that. So uh, yeah, that I mean, that's what Chicago has lacked in the last couple of years is any real defensive toughness. You know, you sort of look at that team as pretty flimsy. You can score on them any time. Uh, so you do need a guy who can who can sort of you know show his size. And this is his third season now. So you expect him to start feeling a bit more. Uh, in control out there. The Bulls have got high hopes for Wendell Carter too. I mean, he's he's been injured uh, a lot through his career so mm-hmm. far, but if he can stay on the floor, he's a, he's a pretty talented guy. I mean, I, I, I don't know really what the ceiling is until we get a good sustained period from him. But, I thought uh, it was Al Horford. We always heard the Al Horford yeah, comparison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that'd be, would be a great honestly, ceiling. That'd yeah. be incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we just, again, like I say, need to, need to see him put it together for uh, uh, most of a season yeah. anyway. Yeah. Injuries have played a huge part. All right, congrats to Trey Kirby and, and the Chicago Bulls fans <laughs> out there. I uh, love it. I love it. Big victory uh, out in Portland. All right, our next game. Let's keep it moving here. Kyrie Irving leads the undermanned Nets to the 130-96 to blowout over the Jazz. Here's one of those blowouts, Lee. What's your takeaway? Well, I was very excited for this game, especially because Kevin Durant wasn't playing. He's out for the next few games here with uh, coronavirus protocols. And so I was like, okay, let's just see, because the Nets are under a little bit of pressure. They need a win. They're playing against a very good team, a very good defensive team. But uh, Kyrie was in his bag, as the kids say, in that first quarter. <laughs> yes. uh, he was just incredible. He hit so many shots, the threes, the step backs, inside the paint. And this was a blowout in the first quarter. And again, in the NBA, we know first quarter, as we were just talking with the Bulls and the, and the Blazers there, that that usually doesn't count for anything. But right. in this game, it absolutely did. The Jazz had no real counter at all. Uh, Kyrie was just incredible. They couldn't stop him. Even when they double teamed him, he was just too good. He made the right play, he made the right read, or just hit the shot. And uh, really disappointing performance here from the Utah Jazz. I mean, this is a team that, you know, I've looked at a couple of times. I thought they're very good offensively. They make such a difference when you have Bogdanovich back in that lineup. And he stunk it up last night. Mitchell played okay, but that was really it. And, and uh, Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, he's got into it a little bit with Shaq over the, on the weekend there. Shaq saying that uh, you can get paid $200 million if you don't have to score. And I thought it was not a good response there from Rudy last night. Defensively wasn't good. He got his ass handed to him by Jared Allen. Exactly. Like, and and that that's the sort of thing that like uh, you know the, the the haters of Rudy Gobert look at a game like that and think. I mean, Jared Allen, he, he's a he's a solid player, 
But Rudy Gobert, if you're an all-NBA player, all-star, you should dominate that matchup. But he didn't do that last night. So, yeah, this one turned into a real snoozer. So the question Mm -hmm. has to be asked, are the Nets better without Kevin Durant? Oh, there it is. (laughs) My column, Lee Ellis, later on The Athletic. I love it. Uh, Well, here's the other takeaway, too. Not just Kyrie cooking early, but the starting lineup tray that Mm. Steve Nash ultimately went with, uh, you know, raised some eyebrows at least. They went with, because there's no KD, Kyrie starting. Okay, Bruce Brown, to a lot of people, that's a who? Um, (laughs) You know, he played for the Pistons. He's there with the Nets now. Torian Prince, okay. Jeff Green getting the start. And then finally, finally... DeAndre Jordan, we're going to start the better center that we have, you know, the the better version of basically you, uh, younger you, Jared Allen. He got the start. He was huge. 19 and 18 for Jared Allen, three steals, two blocks. He thoroughly outplayed Rudy Gobert. But that that was, uh, you know, there's a lot of names like shuffling around here from Steve Nash and the Nets coaching staff. A lot of guys that were, you know, Joe Harris to the bench and stuff like that. And for one night, it it works out. But I guess Steve Nash says, we're just going to try things here and see what, what lineups sort of click. So far, so good with this one. Yeah, not bad. Uh, A little experimentation by Steve Curry is put in a place where he's got to make some decisions Mm -hmm. on what to do with Kevin Durant coming out. And I think it's kind of interesting that he decided to go defense first because that's definitely what this is. Jarrett Allen moves better than DeAndre Jordan Mm -hmm. at this point. Bruce Brown, a defensive player for the most part. Torian Prince, maybe he stretches the court, but he's out there for his defense. And Jeff Green, you just want a highlight dunk from him every once in a while. But uh, it was good for the Nets that, uh, that they went and tried to figure out their defense. We've been talking about it for the past couple of shows that the Nets haven't committed to defense. This is a move by Steve Kerr saying, or I'm sorry, by Steve Nash, wrong coach Steve, saying, yeah, we're coming out and we're playing defense. Uh, they didn't actually n- need to play defense so much last night. Only 96 to the Jazz, which is impressive, but it's a blowout. Who knows the defensive stats there? But Jared Allen getting the start. You got to think he's going to be starting from here on out. There's been a lot of talk. Obviously, the internet wants him to start over DeAndre Jordan. He seems like the better player. To me, the important thing is that he has mostly been finishing their mm-hmm. their games, which I think is a bigger deal. Um, and he seems to be fine with coming off the bench, knowing he'll get his chance eventually. He did last night. He was incredible. He was being compared to Kenyon Martin. I love to see that. Felt like a throwback as well. But uh, he was great. Dominating Gobert. There's some great highlights. Crushed one on top of his head. Blocked him a couple of times at the rim. He was an impact player. And that's exactly what the Nets needed with KD going out. Yeah, my thing with him is whether he's starting or finishing, okay, he just needs more minutes. I mean, he's he's much better than DeAndre Jordan. He's I love him. I've loved his games basically since he was a rookie. He is just a great, you know, third, fourth guy. If he's like that type of in the pecking order on your team, man, you got a really good squad. I loved what he did. He also said this. He credited a change of his pregame meal from pasta with pesto sauce, Lee, <laughs> yeah. to pasta with Alfredo sauce for mm. his season high in points and rebounds mm. in last night's game. Now, I, I had to get your take on this because you're a big pesto man. Big pesto, big homemade pesto guy. Yes. Yeah, I love the basil in there. You so got he the switched it up and went with the, the creamier, thicker Alfredo. Yeah, interesting, interesting <laughs> choice there. The sort of dairy option, which uh, yeah. is probably not my preferred. He didn't specify what type of pasta he was using either, did he? No, that, he that's, did that's what we need to find out, really, the source here. Uh, you know, is he going with a ravioli? The sauce or the sauce? No, the, 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 what, what is he going with? A ravioli, a rigatoni? <laughs> Uh, yeah, just a plain spaghetti. Doesn't spaghetti doesn't go all that well with pesto usually. You need something a little more curly in there, a little shorter, a little stumpy. What's your favorite? My favorite pasta. Well, yeah. um, oh, that's a tough one. I, I probably, I, I mean, gnocchi doesn't really count as pasta, does it? <laughs> 
Oh, that's a grey area. <laughs> it's because it's, it's potato, isn't it? I mean, it's not really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm probably I'm probably going to default back to the uh, fusilli. I like the fusilli. <laughs> You just watch Seinfeld, bro. <laughs> yeah, that that is a great one with uh, Kramer when he calls. Uh, he makes a few silly Jerry because he's silly. <laughs> uh, do you have, yeah. have favorite pasta, uh, Trey? Uh, uh, cavatappi, bucatini. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. A <laughs> favorite pasta it depends on the sauce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a trick question. That's the right answer. See, Lee? Hey, I will say this though: oh, ravioli, me, ravioli is great, but you cannot put like a lobster in a ravioli or anything like that. You know, you get those in like Trader Joe's. They have uh, lobster ravioli. I'm like, no, no, you can't do it like that. It's got to be more a vegetable uh, in there for the ravioli. <laughs> okay, I will oh, say um, insane taste. <laughs> I feel bad. Actually, I felt bad for the jazz fans last night. Because I don't know, I have no, nothing to back this up. Like, I haven't crunched the numbers or ever gone back and looked at other shows. But it feels like to me, tell me if I'm wrong, guys, that, like, on a night where there's not a lot of games, and then, of course, we're going to be talking about it the next day, and it's like, oh, this Jazz-Nets game, like you said, Lee, you're like, oh, that's, you know, that's intriguing. No KD is maybe more competitive. The Jazz had been playing all right, you know? Like, oh, this could, we could be talking about Utah is what I'm getting at here. Yeah. And then they lay a stinker. And, uh, and you know, they're just, like, sort of forgotten about and we gloss over them. I feel like that happens with the Jazz. Yeah. Uh, with, with our show. I don't know what it is. And then I think the flip of it is they have, like, really good Friday night performances and, like, Bogdanovich <laughs> will hit a game winner or something. You know what I mean? And it's like Mitchell will go for 40 and then they're, you know, it's buried because we're not talking about it on the weekend. I, I, again, yeah. I, I, it just feels that way to me. I don't know. No, it, it does. And, and last night's game was a real snoozer. And again, a, a great opportunity for Utah to get a win against a team that has been struggling a little bit and without their best player. Yeah. Uh, but instead, they lay an egg from the start. And you just was like, where, where's the comeback? Because Mike Conley, surprisingly, I don't know if you guys knew this, he was leading the team in scoring prior mm-hmm. to last night. I'm not sure if he is now because Mitchell had 31. I think uh, Conley only had 10 in the end. Um, so, so Mitchell's probably overtaken him. But it was like, okay, he's starting to fit into that role a little bit more than he did last season. And again, Bogdanovich had talked about him a lot. He can light it up any time. Uh, Joe Ingles can be good as well. He can get it going. But they were just kind of like, ah, nah, not last night. Not not interested. And again, you know, Joe Harris coming off the bench. So it was like a defensive look here from the from the Nets. And it was almost like the Jazz had no counterpunch or no no way of sort of firing back on the, uh, on, on the Nets. And it was a real snoozer in the end. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell... I believe averaging 22 basically points per game, and Conley's there at 19, um, so not far behind. And then you got Gobert at 14 and 13 doing his thing. And yeah, it, I mean they're four and three. I'm not saying the Jazz are like brutal. I, I still like them, but <clears throat> again, they have this habit of putting up stinkers on a night where you could really focus on them and, mm. and want to focus on them and maybe talk about them in great detail, and they just get hammered. All right, you got to play well on a five game night. That's what I'm if saying. You want to get talked about on no dunks, but I'm also willing to pump the brakes on the Jazz because it kind of feels like this every single year. Slow out of the gate, then they'll have uh, a month where they win yep. 18 out of 20 games or something, right? So we'll talk about you a bunch in March, Jazz. Probably. All right, next uh, next game, Jokic and the Nuggets regroup to rally past the Wolves, 123, 116. They came back in this one. Trey, big takeaway. Yeah, it was a rally, but to me, it didn't really feel like the Nuggets were ever in danger of losing this game because Nikola Jokic is making an MVP case right now, and it wasn't actually that hard for him last night. He had 35 points. He went 12 for 20 from the field, 15 boards, a measly six assists. (laughs) Come on, man. Step up your game. But watching 
Jokic, there were so many times he would just catch the ball, turn, and there was nobody even touching him. At the free throw line, underneath the basket, there's just no resistance inside from the Timberwolves at all, obviously. Uh, no Carl Towns last night. There was a lot of skinny, uh, what's his name, Jared Vanderbilt. Like, that yeah. guy's a little too skinny to be able to handle yeah. Jokic in the That post. guy's fiery, though, eh? Yeah. He was fun to watch. He was definitely fun to watch, but he, he's not really in Jokic's class right no. now. You know, there was some... Nas Reed minutes. Yeah. It just it, oh, there. What the resistance wasn't there from the Timberwolves. They don't have the defense for it. But it was great to see Jokic come out and dominate once again. And he's you know if if the Nuggets had won a couple of games earlier in the week, we would probably be talking about him at the top of the MVP. Hundred percent ballot, don't you think? I mean, the guy's going to be leading the league in assists as a big man. Incredible yeah. stuff. But. If you are the Timberwolves, some good things to take away from this game. The Wancho revenge game. That was pretty wild. <laughs> I think we're probably the biggest Wancho Hernan Gomez fans <laughs> in the world. 25 last night. He was balling for yep. the Timberwolves. And Anthony Edwards, he's a fun watch as well. Uh, he was taking the ball strong to the hope. He had a huge dunk. He had a nice little jelly on the break. The guy's been much more of a driver than I thought he was going to be coming into the league. The scouting report on him was that he's going to take 100 step back jumpers. He still takes them, but he also gets to the hoop. Looks like an NBA player. That was fun to watch, but you got to play defense eventually. Yeah, what do you think about what Trey said there, Lee? Denver's three and four. If they're uh, five and two, is Jokic like at the top of everybody's MVP leaderboard this early in the season? Yeah, I think so, especially Probably. with Jamal Murray's sort of struggling uh, struggles continue there because Jokic is leading that team. He's doing everything. Um, and and, and if you got, and it's not just the stats. If you got to, you got to watch a Nugget game. Every single possession goes through him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, like everything. Uh, it, it, either he's bringing it up as the giant seven footer, or then you know the the guards bring it up, and then the, it's passed to him. Let's yeah. operate. You know, it's it is really wild to watch that every single play goes through him. Sorry to interrupt you there. Yeah, no, no. I mean, but that's it. He's got the skill set as well, where he doesn't like he scored thirty five as you mentioned there last night, but he doesn't ever feel to me like he he's a scorer first. You know, he just wants no. to get his players involved, get his teammates involved. But one thing I learned last night was that if you get a technical foul for hanging on the rim. It doesn't count as a personal technical foul. Right. It's sort of like an unsportsmanlike, right? It's a non-unsportsmanlike. A non-unsportsmanlike. <laughs> yeah, it's the double really negative weird. there. Yeah, very weird because Jokic last night threw down a couple of dunks with the first one. He goes baseline, dunks it, and does give himself a chin up, gets a technical foul for it. Mm-hmm. And then only like a minute or so later, he's drawing at the ref and he gets another tech. You're like, oh, he's gone. Yeah, but he doesn't get ejected for that. So he gets fined for the uh, personal, uh, for the for the non-unsportsmanlike. But it doesn't count as a personal tech, which is weird. Because why wouldn't it count as a personal technical foul? Sure. I mean, I understand the illegal defense ones goes against the team, okay? Because that's like a team concept. Right. But how is this not a personal technical foul? And how did I not even know this? I've been following this game forever. (laughs) Uh, Because John Krasinski and I last night were exchanging a little bit on Twitter. Like, he was like... Oh, um, Jokic is gone, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's his second tech. He's gone." And then, Mar- and then he stayed out there, and it wasn't until we looked into it and we found out that uh, it doesn't count as a technical foul against your own. So, does that mean? I mean, you can get as many of those as you want throughout a game. You can get five of those technicals, uh, you know, if you keep hanging on the rim, and that doesn't count against you. I guess so. Yeah, because... it wouldn't be tossed. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, um, but to see Nikola Jokic actually do a chin up on the rim, that should not be a technical foul. He should be applauded. <laughs> and then he had another throwdown later on, but it's uh, it's so funny because he's just not a, a high leaper. So when he does get up for a dunk, it's like, wow, this guy, it, it takes all his effort to get up there and yeah. throw it down. But uh, fun to watch. Um, yeah, 
Crazy stuff, man. Crazy stuff. You learn something new every still day. Still learning. Look at this guy. This guy's 68 years old and still learning. Man. That's what I love to see. That's what it's, but but, but also, Nikola Jokic must have known that, I guess. Because, you know, he got the te- he nearly got another tech after that as well. Yeah, he was really yeah. pushing it last night. He was really trying to get himself thrown out. But uh, you know what? The Wolves, they could end up with the worst record of the NBA uh, this season, especially if Towns is out for oh, yeah. a prolonged uh, period here. Because I, I actually thought they, they were competitive last night. Russell was good. But it did always feel that the Nuggets were just going to get there uh, because they just, they're just they a better team, you know, mm-hmm. and they're playing at home. But, uh, yeah, you, when you look at the Wolves and you just think, uh, oh, man, it's, it's really hard to see. They're not a great defensive team. Offensively, they've got some talent there, but just not enough if the other team has a decent defense to throw at it. So, yeah, it could, could be another rough, rough season there in Minnesota. Yeah, I, I like to see Denver turning it around here too. You're right. Jamal Murray, you know, is not bubble Murray by any means. Um, Jokic is leading the way. But Jamichael Green is back uh, to this team, or, you know, with this team, I should say, and back playing uh, the last couple of games. I think he played really well in this two-game series versus Minnesota. Um, hit three threes in both games, grabbed 11 rebounds total. Um, he had 17 specifically off the bench last night. Those were key. And Will Barton, uh, this his frantic energy is very I don't know if it's because the way Jokic sort of plays I don't know like it maybe it sticks out more than it would on another team but like it feels needed just that, that manic energy you ever watch him when they like go to like the timeout um like camera like we're in the huddle they're on their chairs and stuff like that he is always like just like bobbing <laughs> around he's like never, he can never stop moving and he of course does that on the floor but 27 and three last night um and he I, I think he's very important to their success moving forward too and i like that he talks up uh Jokic too he had he had a quote like saying like he tells Jokic before every game just go out there and win mvp like you're the best player in the world if you want to would uh you know like be aggressive and uh, no one can stop you and uh, you know some nights it works definitely with Jokic. so he was he was big down the stretch 13 of his 35 in the fourth he sort of I mean again it's amazing everything every every single play goes through him so he's mm-hmm. either scoring you know or t- attempting a shot or of course trying to set a guy up or or setting up the, the the next thing that sets up a guy like the hockey assist it's it's wild so good win by Denver and yep a couple more you know they put together a little streak here four wins in a row whatever yeah the people the national media will start taking notice of what the heck Jokic is really doing there I, I know the diehards know what's up and know how special he is but You'll start seeing it on some of your other shows that maybe don't follow the league all that closely. All right, our next game here. Lakers stretched the winning streak to four. Four straight for them. They beat the Grizzlies 94-92. Honestly, there's not a lot to take from this one. Uh, The first one is the score may jump out at you. 94-92. Yeah, it was was a defensive-minded game. Um, D'Anthony Melton actually had a wicked block on Anthony Davis and then uh, dunked it, punched one home on the other end with about six minutes remaining. And that's when it looked like the Grizzlies might win this game. But you didn't think that if you saw the game prior, because this was another like mini series where the Lakers had just played the Grizzlies like two nights prior. I guess it was on Sunday night, and in that one, which I watched, LeBron just took over. He literally just decided, okay, uh, game's close. Uh, I'm gonna start to try now, and I'm just gonna put my stamp on this game. We'll get the victory. He sort of did it again last night. I mean, it was the it was the same movie. It really, really was. LA trailed 79-77 with about five minutes to go. And then LeBron and AD got some help in this one. They went on a combined 9-2 run. They had the lead, and they held on for dear life at the end. It got really wild at the end uh, with some crazy turnovers. But LeBron, I mean, it's it's wild to watch a guy coasting through games. <laughs> and now his version of coasting is still damn impressive, but he really is. I'm not exaggerating. The Lakers, they're as a team, are doing this. And... 
I don't know if it's going to come back to bite them in the ass, but it's pretty amazing to watch them sort of just half-ass it for eh, you know two to three quarters and then turn it on when they need to. Did you see any uh, resemblance to the Lebronto, to, uh, LeBron out there last night? Because it, it felt like that to me where yeah, it was like... I mean, he knows he's going to win the game. It, yeah, but but some of the shots he hit as well, you know, just those those crazy sort of fall-aways, step-backs that like just go perfectly through the net as well. It was kind of like he was just toying with them. And mm-hmm. I think a part of it was Dylan Brooks had that little show of strength there with LeBron where he got the ball, LeBron was on his butt, and Dylan Brooks laid it in and got the foul. Then he did the big flex. Mm-hmm. And this also reminds me a little bit of like the last dance where we saw Michael Jordan sometimes needed anything just to motivate him. Well, here we are on a Tuesday night in January and LeBron's in Memphis. He knows he can win this game. And it was almost like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Dylan Brooks, for Mm. giving me just that little bit of like, all right, now I have to show this guy. Because you saw later on as well when he hit that crazy fall away, he did he dropped yeah. the two small. Ah, yes, yeah. yeah. talked about this. Morning. I don't know if you saw it as well on a play earlier. LeBron was blowing kisses to the uh, Memphis bench as well. So <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah. No. So uh, so he was kind of. I think that's what it was last night. He's like, all right, I'm, I I have to win this game, but someone give me give me a reason here to right. fire up. Right. And Dylan Brooks did that, uh, and then it was great to see because it is just so much fun when you just see LeBron just 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 get into that rhythm where he's like, okay. Thanks for coming, guys. Now I'm going to win this game, uh, and it's good night, Memphis. Yeah. Anything from this one, Trey? Well, I didn't watch this one very closely. I did see a fast break where Grayson Allen just kind of tipped the ball to Jonas Valanciunas running down the middle of the lane. He finished with a very slow layup, and it made me miss playing pickup ball. I was like, this would have been the biggest <laughs> highlight from any game on a Wednesday night if we were out there playing. But you look at the box scores, and it's just evident how much the Lakers are in flip-the-switch mode this season. Every one of their starters, except for Dennis Schroeder, who is a minus one, has massive plus minus uh, splits for last night, whereas the bench was struggling. And that's the difference there. Once the Lakers put in their starting lineup, the game's going to be over because LeBron and AD know exactly what they need to do to get a win in a scenario against the Grizzlies. It's not necessarily needing to play 100% strength the entire night. Uh, We worried about the Lakers taking games off last season coming Mm -hmm. in, you know, because we're like, LeBron, he knows his body. The guy manages the season as well as anybody does. That wasn't the case for last season. The Lakers were 100% locked in. We're winning the title from day one. This year they came and they said, we already got the title. We had to play 75 days ago. So let's take a little chill this year. Turn it on when we need to. They're preserving themselves by load managing during games. LeBron's quarterbacking out there. The guy doesn't put in the effort until he needs to absolutely score. And it's fine because he knows exactly what to do. Um, Impressive stuff from the Lakers. They're not even trying hard, and they're the best team in the West. And the Grizzlies are, of course, playing without their two best players in John Moran yes. and Jaron Jackson yes. Jr. They put up a fight. I mean, it's nice to have Melton back. Yeah. Uh, you know, what do they call him? Mr. Do Something, I think, is his nickname, <laughs> which is a fascinating nickname, but he does a little bit of everything. Uh, he, he he was helping, of course, stay in this game and give them a lead late, and uh, they fought. They, they, they put up a valiant effort, but... You know, it was a little big brother, little brother scenario there where it's like, okay, this is a little too close here. I'm just going to pull out this victory and what are you going to do? Yeah, you're right. LeBron is load managing during games. And we talked about it. I think a big part of it is like, hey, well, I got pl- I could take the night off. I mean, I could just take the night off. But why didn't I play, rack up 20 to 25 points? That's going to help in the uh, total accumulation of catching, uh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most points ever. Like, why not? And, and <laughs> that's what he's doing. It's it's really astonishing. Totally. The jumper is money enough now that he can yeah. hang out on the perimeter, yeah. right? Like, he can make threes at a high enough rate. He can hit these fallaways at a high enough rate that he can just hang out on the perimeter, not take a million bumps, yep. but pick teams apart. Like, I remember in the bubble watching him 
pick apart zones from Miami. This It's similar stuff when LeBron is just out there, like moving people around with his eyes, it feels like, until there's a split second where he can fit a pass in. And that's why he's one of the GOATs. For sure. All right. Final game from last night. Spurs stop a four-game skid. 116-113 victory over the Clippers. We sort of alluded to this one. Uh, crazy, crazy. Spurs up a massive amount. The Clippers have been playing in weird games this mm. year, man. They are either up 30 or down 30. Feels like in every single game they've played. Um, but they came back, but in the end, Spurs pull it out. Lee, anything uh, to take away from this one? Your Aussie mate, Patty Mills. Uh, see, when the Spurs need a win, who does Coach Popovich go to? Patty Thrills coming in off the bench. I think in that first quarter, he hit uh, four threes in like the last 90 seconds of that first quarter. It was an incredible performance. And he finished with eight for the game, 27 yeah. points. Uh, missed one free throw at the end, which really could have sealed it. Kept the Clippers within a chance of uh, tying the game at least, but they weren't able to do that. No Paul George here for the Clippers, and we'll find out tonight if he was uh, load managing or if he was uh, genuinely sore with that ankle there uh, last night. I, I suspect it was probably a little bit more of the uh, former rather than the latter. Mm. But, um, yeah, the Clippers... Uh, just a weird team again, uh, as you mentioned there. Like they were killing the Suns on on what night? Sunday night that was, and then the Suns nearly pulled that out. And then last night they were half asleep in that first half, got themselves back into it late. But uh, the Spurs managed to hold on. I will say those Spurs jerseys look unreal on the court. I thought they looked gorgeous okay. out there last night. Nice the uh, Fiesta jerseys, and uh, you know you saw as well like that the young stars. You know the Keldon Johnson, the Lonnie Walker. Uh, DeJounte Murray. Like, again, how they went on that four-game losing streak is kind of weird because they've got some very good, young, talented, athletic players who play defense. But then last night, having LaMarcus and DeRozan out there was just the experience, perhaps. That's maybe that that's what they've been missing because uh, I thought they're a good team with the young, athletic guys, and then you have the veterans out there who can just steer your team home. And, uh, and Paddy Mills as well did that late in the game. He's a veteran now, of course. We don't make him one of the young guys anymore. But uh, the funny thing about Paddy Mills is... The shot selection has never really changed throughout his career. Some of those shots are a little bit wild, a little bit early in the shot clock. They just go in now. That's the difference. I think that's the difference. When you look at uh, Paddy's highlights from his Portland days, and even when he first got to San Antonio, a couple of those shots, he was just like, eee. But now he's just, uh, it's the repetition, it's the experience, and, uh, and he knocks him in. It was, it was great to see him have such a great performance. He's shooting 57.5% from three on the season right now. <laughs> he's on fire. Yeah. Because he shoots a lot of them, as you would if you uh, shot that well. They hit 23s of Spurs, I think, tied a franchise record. That's a ton for them. Um, speaking of the Clippers, I remembered this tweet from Tim Reynolds last night. I remember I liked it for a reason, so I could bring it up on the show. Listen to this. This season, games the Clippers have played... They trailed by 57 to the Mavericks. They led by 31 against Minnesota. They led by 31 against Phoenix. They led by 30 against Portland. They led by 24 against Denver. They trailed by 24 against the Spurs. Uh, Last night, the one we're talking about here, they led by 22 against the Lakers, and they trailed by 20 against the Jazz. 20 or more up or down in every game they've played this year. That's really, really strange. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a big gap. I mean, a lot of those were 30s for crying out loud, if not more. So weird, weird stuff. But they missed Paul George, no doubt. I mean, that guy's he's having a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously helps your perimeter defense too. Go ahead, Trey. He's having a good year, but uh, a guy that's not having a good year, Luke the Nard Dog Canard. Just nine <laughs> points last night, three of 10. He's shooting all right from the field so far this season. He's 43% from three, but... I think he was supposed to kind of be the third initiator, perhaps, for the Clippers this season. You know, Landry Shamit went out in the trade, uh, kind of more just the shooter that compared to Kennard, where Kennard should theoretically be able to handle the ball in pick and roll, make some plays, and space the floor. 
He's been underwhelming so far. He's only been in double digits two games so far this season. And if the Clippers are going to go further this season than they went last season, they're going to need more from him because all the talk in the offseason was they need another secondary creator. They need somebody else who's going to be able to make plays. When- hmm. Oh, we've lost him. He froze for me. He's, he's <laughs> so pumped still over the Oh, there he is. No, he isn't. Oh. Did you put a spell on him, Lee? <laughs> maybe he's just watching more highlights of the bulls last night he's just captivated and distracted maybe, there maybe. Yeah. all right well as we try and get trey kirby back uh let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by Michelob ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive nba prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an nba game and more Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, i got to get in on that cinnamon uh, magic spoon. You want to try that one? Yes, yeah, because cinnamon on anything is great. So Mm. cinnamon cereal. I mean, cinnamon toast, great, you know, great, but I want to get it on the cinnamon on the magic spoon. I'm sure it would be incredible without the sugar in that. It's got to be. It's got to be. I would think so. Yeah. I, I actually liked I liked all of the flavors. And I'm not a big cocoa cereal guy. Yeah. And I didn't even mind that one. But Frosted, my favorite. Fruity's right there. And then the blueberry is really, really good. And then I'd have cocoa ranked fourth. But it was still yeah. delicious. Yeah. And I saw... So, uh, by the way, I saw someone... Um, I don't know if it was on uh, Instagram DM or if it was on Twitter. Maybe it was in the YouTube comments even. Somebody was like, hey, I love your Magic Spoon ad reads. But come on. No one's buying cereal online. Who buys cereal online? I said, well, first off, you can buy anything online. <laughs> exactly. Who doesn't do so their shopping online about? these days? Um, I thought that was just weird. Sorry, you were about mm. to say something. What were you going to say there? Uh, uh, yeah, I can't really remember. But I think, oh, yeah, no. Well, like, you, you, you know, you rank the Cocoa Fourth because you have to rank them, of course. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it, it's almost like at the Olympics, if there was a fourth place as well, you're still doing, it's still a great place to finish fourth at that level. You think you know, so? It, yeah. Do you think that, you think you think the guy that w- is f- the fourth best bobsledder in the world is is walking around with his uh, chest puffed out? Look, he wants to be on the in the medals among the medals, of course. But you know, his family and friends are saying, "Listen, man, there's only three people in the world better than you, like in the whole right. world." So that were only better than you on that given day. That's yeah, the other part. yeah, exactly. So yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, of course, people want that top notch, but not everyone can win it. Not everyone can have. The top, the top spot on the Diaz there. Do you, so do you think it's worse to be silver, second, or fourth? Yeah. That, that, I, right. I mean, it, de- it depends if you... Um, uh, I mean, because you can get defeated and and get the silver medal, but you can also, like... Like, you don't get defeated if you if you run second, if you know what I mean. Do you right, know right, what I mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. So if you lose by half a second in, in the race, it's like, well, you came second rather than getting defeated into second place if you know what i mean <laughs> sure sure so what's your what's your answer oh well i guess you like want would you are you like would you it. be content with a silver medal you know I- instead of no medal really yeah yeah i, I think you'd want the silver medal yeah mm. i mean yeah you'd want that silver medal wouldn't you, you know, yeah probably show it off to the show it off to the kids and the grandkids yeah maybe bronze is the worst 
<laughs> I'd almost rather just be fourth at that point. Well, I see. I, I don't know what it was like for Canada in the 80s and uh, early 90s, but Australia, most of our medals at the Olympics were bronze. You know, mm. it wasn't until we around the 2000s when we started picking up a few more gold medals. But the bronze was always like, yeah. You, well, that's you, the thing. When you're not winning any medals, then that bronze, bronze is making like, the front front page of the newspaper. But then when your country starts winning yeah. some medals, then you win bronze and everyone's like, oh, yeah, bronze. So you can, you can win bronze. You know, because you might be battling that person for fourth, so you win that bronze. Yeah, why do you keep saying it like that? I mean, every Olympic event's different. Yeah, I know. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's yeah, what I'm okay, saying. Like, okay. you can win bronze or you can lose silver. You know what I mean? Like, so you, you finish with a win, but you have a <laughs> <Yeah>. lower rank. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay. I'm glad we've cleared that up. We, are we stalling just to try and get trade back? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe a little bit. Hey! Did it work? Not look good. He <laughs> does not look good. I thought he was gonna uh, pop yeah, up no. there, but he's got a black screen. Trey uh, Kirby, Trey Kirby coming in fourth on today's <laughs> No Ducks podcast. Uh, JD, you're always gold. Congrats to you, uh, Lee. You and I are battling now for uh, oh, for the silver. Here. This oh, is wow. a first. Oh, oh, no, he's back, oh. and we got a fifth mysterious black box. <laughs> is that Taz? So, so like I was saying about Luke Kennard. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, wow. We're back to Luke Kennard. No, you just missed us talking about the Olympics. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you how we got onto that tangent. Okay, let's get to some news. Nice to have you back, TK. Um, Thanks, bud. We had a report coming out over the last couple of days. The NBA is seriously discussing expansion. Um, you know, Adam Silver has said that himself. Makes sense. You know, profits probably down here during the pandemic. Expansion fees fees are a great way to just inject a bunch of cold hard cash to the other owners uh, who are you know, possibly hemorrhaging money here. But how much money? Well, according to ESPN's Brian Windhorse, within the league office, sources said officials have floated the price tag of two point five billion each for two expansion teams in the near future. We're at thirty right now. Let's say we go about bump it up to thirty two, but two point five bill. I have a couple questions off this, Lee. Expansion, you think is a good idea uh, right now uh, in today's NBA? And if you do, where would you locate, uh, let's say, two teams? How about it? Uh, I, I think expansion is a good idea if it's for the right reasons, but this doesn't feel like the right reasons for me. This feels more hmm. like we need some cash. We need some qu- quick, hard cash as soon as we can because I think they'll have no shortage of takers to, to come up with that $2.5 billion fee because mm-hmm. there's always interest from uh, people to, to, to buy a team because it usually is a cash cow. Uh, now, if you get two teams uh, and that's a $5 billion cash injection, that gets split amongst the other owners. The players don't get any of that. Nope. So that would be around about 160 odd million per team, which which sounds like a lot of money, but um, and, and it is. But to me, it's like I, I, I would like to see a more sustainable way of trying to uh, generate the money that they're losing because ultimately if you have more teams and you get that 160 million you're going to be diluting the tv revenue that yep, uh yep. that comes in so is that a sort of like a short-term like cash quick hit uh which i don't think is the right reason to do it um so i'd be a little bit careful right now now i think a big part of this is because we simply don't know when we'll have full arenas in the nba again that that might not be for a couple of years potentially uh, we might start seeing fans trickle in. I know there's some fans at games now, which doesn't seem like the smartest idea, but there are some fans there. But also from what I've seen around the world in uh, in soccer in England and cricket in Australia, they have brought crowds back, but a sort of social distance. There hasn't been a, a capacity at any 
uh, game or anything that I've seen so far. So, and I think America, considering where they are with the virus, is still you know just a long, long, long way away from that. Even though we're starting to get the vaccine rolling out now. So, uh, my 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 ultimate point is, I think uh, don't do this and, unless it is really going to be done with a long-term financial plan in place that isn't just going to then create a headache further down the line uh, because it, it may just cause even more financial grief for other teams because, again, more teams means uh, more competition. It might be a little bit harder to sell season tickets to some in some cities depending on how the team has been. And as Danny LaRue uh, often points out, ownership is the most competitive advantage mm-hmm. in the NBA. So you want to make sure you get – if you're going to get more owners – Make sure they're good owners because there are a lot of NBA owners right now. I won't name names, but I think we know who they are, who aren't very good owners, and uh, and their teams have been terrible for a long time. So uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a dicey proposition right now, I think, for the NBA. But if you were to bring teams back, Seattle's obviously going getting a team, and okay. then uh, that's a no brainer. I think Trey, you'd agree with that. Seattle would be one of the teams that is automatically given one of these expansion teams, even though they'd be bringing them back. Yeah, it would be exactly like the Charlotte Hornets, you know, when the Pelicans became a team and then the Bobcats turned back into the Hornets. I think it would be exactly like that. Obviously, Seattle would be great. You know, they've got a championship history. We all remember the Sonics being there 10 seasons ago, basically. So, yeah, I think that one is a lock. The other place I would like to see the NBA expand into is Mexico City, the biggest city in North America, bigger than New York City, who has two teams. They've been playing occasional games uh, in Mexico City for years. That'd be a great place to grow the game, I think. Mm. What do you think about that, Lee? Oh, you yeah. go Mexico City or another another place? Yeah, well, I would love the, the NBA to go back to Vancouver, but I just don't think that would happen. I just don't think they had the interest there in that city for, to sustain an NBA team. But as far as uh, beautiful cities, Vancouver for me would be top of the uh, top of the pile there. I'd love to hear some more Dennis Scott stories from his time <laughs> playing for the Vancouver Grizzlies. We know he had a great time there. But uh, other than that, Mexico City, absolutely. I think that would be fantastic for the NBA to do that because – I don't think travel would be uh, much of a concern there because of the way that these teams travel around anyway. So it's I think it's central time zone there in Mexico City. I'm not sure. But anyway, whatever it is, uh, it would be great for the NBA to expand across the border if they could. Yeah, there are uh, cities being thrown out. Louisville um, is sort of at the top of a lot of people's list. Las Vegas, I know, is a hot one. Um, you know, obviously they have a hockey team there. They got a brand new arena there. It's it's Vegas. You got so many people. Is there a football traveling team there? there? Yeah, there's a football there team there. Yep. Yeah. Um, Arash Markazi actually, he tweeted this out yesterday. An online, an idea online for a 32 team NBA with Seattle and Las Vegas in the West, and then you'd have to bump Minnesota to the East, and you could do eight divisions in two 16-team conferences. What, what do you think about this? We're showing the map uh, and the sort of like the division for everybody joining us on YouTube. You know, if they were in Vegas and, and Seattle trade, that that makes sense to me. I don't, I don't really have an issue with putting, you know, Lump in Minnesota in with the Bucks and the Bulls and the Pistons, no? Oh, yeah, I think that makes sense. It's kind of, you know, if they expand and you need to take one team to the Eastern Conference, if it's going to be Vegas and Seattle added... It's going to be between the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves, right? Those yeah. are the teams that are furthest east on the map. And it seems like they should actually kind of be in the Eastern Conference. Both of those teams would be a lot more competitive in the Eastern Conference as well. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I would be down with this. It definitely feels like Las Vegas and Seattle would be the the cities that get teams. Seattle, like we're saying, the history. And Vegas has shown that they are ready for pro sports teams. Teams seem to be doing well once they get to Las Vegas. Maybe not successful. I know the Raiders haven't had a great season, but... 
the Aces were great in the WNBA. What's the hockey team? The Golden, Golden Knights. Knights. They went to the finals their yeah. very first season, right? And they were a, a huge success story. So, you know, pro sports leagues were very nervous to go to Las Vegas when betting was completely outlawed. Now that uh, it's more legalized, it makes sense to me. Yeah, let's hear from you guys out there. Where would you uh, put two expansion teams? Or, or do you sort of agree with Lee? Maybe like, is this the right idea? Um, you know, so a lot of people think there's enough talent in the league, Lee, to to sustain two more teams in terms of like obviously distributing like these great players to have then star players on other teams. Now that, that's an interesting point because every year we know a lot of teams tank though early into the season. So, you know, you don't want more teams coming in to then potentially water down the league even more. You know, so that, that, that's an. I'm not sure I completely agree with that. I mean, against that comes again from ownership and management, where if they're like, "Listen, we wanna, we want this team to suck," so we try to get a higher draft pick. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced that that's entirely true myself. I think sometimes less is more in that state, instance where you have more competitive league with perhaps not as many teams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, well, well, again, let's hear from you guys out there in the stream team and tweet at us at no dunks Inc. Uh, finally, I just wanted to bring this to uh, your guys' attention. Last night I tweeted my early all disappointing team, um, sort of just like off the top of my head, guys that just have been pretty garbage to start the year. It's obviously super early still. I had Devonte Graham, uh, and these were these were stats heading into last night's games for some of them. But Devonte Graham, nine point nine points per game, twenty seven percent shooting. My other guard was Norman Powell with the Raps. Yeah, you could have picked a lot of Raps. Uh, eight point five points per game, thirty one percent shooting for him. I had Karis LeVert. Now he had a pretty decent game last night, but coming into it, thirteen point one points per game, thirty seven percent from the floor. Kelly Oubre Jr. Duh, ten point nine points per game, thirty four percent from uh, the floor, and even way worse from three. And then Davis Bertans I had as my other forward, eleven points per game, thirty five percent from the floor. I, again, I tweeted this out. I got a lot of great responses, but I wanted to ask you guys: Is is there anyone I missed, uh, or you know, like who you would add if we, even if we were building like an all disappointing second team, who would be who would be in play there for you, Trey? Well, when I was running up and down stairs trying to make sure my internet was right, I was fretting about this, Skeets, thinking I wasn't going to be able to get back for this question to address your anti-big man bias once again. <laughs> Not only are there no centers on your all-disappointing team, there's only one guy over six foot ten, Davis Bertans, and he takes all of his shots outside. We've already lost the center spot on the All-Star game. You guys want to get rid of it in the All-NBA and now Skeets is not even letting the No Dunce audience have a center on his all-disappointing <laughs> team right. when Skeets has been bringing up the most disappointing centers in the league for the first two weeks in the season. Aaron Baines, he's right there for you. Marvin Bag of Beans, Bagley, the third and the second. They're right there for you. Marvin Bagley, 6'11", and he's shooting 37%. How about one. Al Horford, 9-7-3. He's got 19 combined stats, and he's making $27 million a year. Yusuf Nurkic also putting up a big triple single, 9-7-3. and three. The No Dunks audience demands a center on this team, Skeets. No more anti-big man bias. Uh, that's fair. I got a lot of votes for Nurk last night. Siakam was in the mix, too. Yeah. There was people saying, what about Jimmy Butler? Mm-hmm. I gave Jimmy Butler a pass because of injuries. He's missed like half their games. He's been bad, but, you know, in terms of shooting the ball. Fair, fair, yeah. Again, I, I was doing this quick. I was actually like struggling just on the fly to think of big guys. Bagley, good one. Really, really good one. 
and well, I guess I had uh, I didn't have high hopes for Bainesy as it was. So uh, yeah, yeah but, you had but, a Raptor on the team already. So yeah, I, I yeah, to that the, TV he could be that. added. Anyone else, Lee? Well, after the first game of the season, the Raptors and the Hornets, J.J. Redick had 23 points, went 6 for 11. I said, ooh, there's some uh, six-man buzz there right now for J.J. Redick. Since then, he's gone 3 for 26, and he scored 24 points in the uh, the other games. And he has just been ice cold out there. Uh, He just can't hit a shot, which is incredible because he's got such a beautiful shooting stroke, and he's a veteran. He's been around. This is a great role for him and a good team, good opportunity. Right. But, he, uh, yeah, he's just been clunking it a lot lately. So uh, I expect he will shake out of that uh, slump. But, um, yeah, overall, he's shooting 24% on the season. He went 6 for 11 in that first game and a great win against... Maybe it was because it was the Raptors. Although he's played the Raptors again. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, you know, for a guy like him at his stage of his career with his shooting stroke, it's like I could easily see him getting sort of 15 points a game on that team in New Orleans, but uh, not happening right now. Yeah, John Hollinger also suggested a good one last night to me. Gary Harris, mm. who Ooh, heading this. into last night's game, again, I don't have the updated stats, but was averaging 7.7 points per game on 36% shooting from the floor and 12.5% from three. Ooh. There was some, uh, I don't know who it was who was reporting it, saying that the Nuggets were trying to shop him around, but there wasn't a lot of interest for Gary Harris. No, I so wonder why right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I don't know, I still sort of have belief for him i think it's a good team for him you're still team gary i I am i'm not ready to jump ship just yet but uh but uh, maybe will barton coming back as well because will barton wasn't there in the bubble is is impacted his role a little i'm not sure but Mm -hmm. uh hmm, interesting been bad can't hit a shot right now team Mm. gary shout out to our old volleyball team uh up in uh canada what a team (laughs) great times on the beach oh man Uh, yeah that crazy Toronto Beach. <laughs> it's not really a beach. Sometimes Just you'd be playing on an angle, a lot of sticks and rocks. Uh, you didn't want to die for the ball. Yeah, but show Team Carry. That was always fun. Missed those days. All right, let's take one more break to hear from our sponsors before Tweet of the Night. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. 
What do you got, JD? Uh, so this is uh, real simple today. It's um, a tweet from uh, uh, Crooked Media producer Michael Martinez. And it's just this. <laughs> it just says mood. And it's a picture, uh, a lovely picture of a man and his dog. For, those, uh, for the listeners, it's noted dog enthusiast Reverend Raphael Warnock holding what I think is a beagle. Yep. It's yeah. damn cute. Yep. Uh, anyways, all this to say congratulations to uh, Reverend Warnock. He beat uh, an unelected incumbent who was, is, to put it politely, a, a scumbag. But you know what? It's a new day. Let's keep it positive. And uh, <laughs> we're uh, rooting for Ossoff over here in this house. I'm sure you guys are as well. And uh, oh, yeah. You know, shout out to DeKalb County. Uh, tre- during the show, Tass sent me a bunch of tweets uh, about the, the pronunciation of DeKalb County, <laughs> which, uh, which was good. And speaking of Tass, uh, he mentioned this morning uh, LeBron thinking about uh, uh, putting together an ownership group for uh, the Dream. Mm. Who's in? That's a great idea. You love to see it. So, you uh, love uh, to see it. That is a cute beagle, too. Is that, I assume that's his dog, right? I don't know. <laughs> He's a real puppy guy. So oh, you follow found him, his you, puppy. Was, yeah. that, was that the same one he used in that commercial? I, I think so. Yeah. Where, uh, yeah. Had, the, had the dog poo. and uh, yeah, Great commercial. Well done. <laughs> great commercial. I saw it about 20,000 times. Yeah. Oh, man. Going to miss those ads. But I don't know. Maybe no dunks can chip in on buying the dream here. That'd oh, be yeah. pretty exciting, right? I don't yeah, know if it's a conflict sure. of interest for a NBA podcast to own a WNBA team, but send us that kick fund razor thing, LeBron. <laughs> Whatever you're getting for your ownership <laughs> yeah. group, we'll chip in a little bit. 25 bucks, let us in. All right. Let's get to pick and results from last night. It was the Bulls-Blazers game. Blazers were favored by 10 and a half. They didn't even win. Uh, so good call by Tass and Trey to take Chicago to the cover. Again, they just get the outright victory. So... Lee and I were wrong with that one. Um, we got three of us, four and four. That's Tassley and myself, and then Trey, you're three and five. It's very, very close, and there's a lot of January left. So tonight's game is the Clippers-Warriors. Interesting line. Warriors, not the favorites at home. They're, they get, they're getting four and a half points. So Clippers got to win by five or more. We got a busy 11-game schedule tonight. Uh, and this is the second game of the ESPN doubleheader. It's Celtics Heat at 7.30, and then this one, our pick Clippers at Warriors. So let's go to you first, Lili. Uh, Clippers favored by four and a half on the road in in uh, Oakland. What do you got? Yeah, I'm not sure if Paul George is back. Uh, second night of a back-to-back. The, the Warriors have been playing so well right now, and the Clippers, you just don't know what you're getting. So I'm going to take the Warriors. I think, they've, uh, I think they can keep it close enough, even if they don't win. To, uh, to cover the spread there. So give me the Warriors. Okay. And uh, I got to correct myself. They don't play in Oakland anymore. I forgot. Oh, about that's that. right. Yes. Yeah. They it's, wear it's, the it's, Oakland jerseys, though. Those, those, yeah, those. that's right. That's why it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's a slap yeah. in the face, if you ask me. Uh, what do you got, TK? Yeah, I'm with Lee on this one. I'm going to go with the Warriors as well. They've been playing pretty pretty nice basketball since Draymond Green came back. Four and a half points. Not a huge line, but a little bit too big for my liking. So give me the Warriors. All right, I'll swerve. I'll go Clippers, as we pointed out. They're going to be down 20 or up 20. So which one will it be? Flip a coin. <laughs> Give me yep. LAC to win by uh, five or more, and then let's hear Tass's pick. Give me the Warriors and the four points. And give me a verbal altercation between Draymond Green and somebody on the Clippers. Maybe many people on the Clippers. <laughs> Patrick Beverly would be at the top of that list. He's always got a thing to say. We will see. All right, I'm the only one taking LAC to cover the spread. Everybody else got the Warriors. Okay, we'll call it there. 
Glad we got you back there, Trey. I mean, you started with a bang, then you were gone, and you ended in style. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm trying to do my part over here, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, what happened? Just a classic Wi-Fi situation, or who knows? Just a classic Wi-Fi situation, you know. I ran upstairs, had to turn off the router, plug it back in. Now I'm hardwired in like the old school days, dialing in on my modem. Uh, but it's feeling reliable. Feeling like the Bulls. Ultra reliable, baby! The comeback kids! First the Bulls did it, now I did it. All right, well, make sure, yeah, you double, triple check that uh, Wi-Fi or your internet connection because we got another podcast to record later today. We don't want you freezing on the beach, man. Oh, man, it gets cold on the beach. Uh, it can, you know. You're so, telling uh, me, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we'll uh, be beach-stepping it up, answering your, uh, your questions and your comments today at 3 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. So make sure you join us live on YouTube or... Just listen to the podcast. Subscribe to No Dunks wherever you listen to us. Keep those questions coming. No Dunks at theathletic.com. Go grab your No Dunks merch at nodunks.com and subscribe to The Athletic already, guys. Theathletic.com slash No Dunks Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, tucking in your t-shirt means you mean business. Brace the day, people. You could stay. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.